0: annoying check abrasive check obnoxious check irritating check tell me again why you even listen to this guy it's jeremy lunnon on the classic guitar rock daily update is it time is it already is it time it is it is so glad to be back those of you that have been uh watching the updates on X and YouTube and Facebook, I, I haven't been doing updates. I had to make kind of a, a a quick trip over to Montana and wasn't able to go live there because the internet is so terrible. I have, I don't want to, I don't want to call people out, but I got this company. That I get inner internet from this is terrible. I mean, literally like 40% of the time it doesn't work. And then I get a little message that says, Oh, by the way, Prices are going up $5 a month beginning in March. Thanks. But, you know, when you're in the middle, of literally in the middle of nowhere, your options are limited. And the uh, folks that handle the internet in Western Montana, they, well, they're not good. Sorry. Just not good internet. However, when you call them, they're very nice. They are very nice to talk to. But the internet is terrible. Now I'm all bummed. Anyways, welcome to the uh, daily update. It's, uh, what is it? It's February 21st, 2024. Glad to have you here. Mick Jones of Foreigner has opened up about being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Glenn Tipton and Judas Priest also diagnosed with Parkinson's about three years ago. So now Mick Jones also, that explains why he has not been touring with Foreigner. Foreigners currently traveling North America on their for- farewell tour but Jones has not performed with them since 2022. I saw them in September and it was really, really good. I mean, I know there's no original members. Mick wasn't there, but, but this, this is a great band. The bands are the musicians are awesome. It, it was, I really enjoyed it. And of course they're nominated uh, for induction into the rock and roll hall of fame. Don't get me started about 20 years too late, but they are at least getting nominated. Quote, this is from a social media post quote, fans will have become very aware that for some time now I have not been performing on stage with the band. Several years ago, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I want everyone to know that I'm doing all right. However, I've always liked to be at my best when performing on stage. And sadly at present, I find that a bit difficult. I'm still very much involved in the background with Foreigner and remain a presence. So, um, oh, it continues. Parkinson's is a daily struggle. The important thing is to persevere and remind myself of the wonderful career I've had in music. I thank all the fans who have supported Foreigner throughout the years and continue to attend our concerts. I want you to know I appreciate your support. It always means so very much to me, but especially so at this point in my life. So Mick Jones, phenomenally talented, and I'm a big Foreigner fan. People give him the corporate rock label and all that, but I love Foreigner. Lou Graham was tremendous, and just the, the team of Mick and Lou, and they just they made some great albums and great tunes. Love the Foreigner. John Anderson said he was glad he'd seen the classic spoof documentary This Is Spinal Tap before Yes toured their 1983 album, 90125. Um, the, the cult movie was released a few weeks after the British Prague Giants commenced a 110-day, 100, 10-month global road trip in 1984. So they apparently had done a few shows before he'd seen Spinal Tap. but. He did see it. And John shares that among the memorable events along the way during that 90125 tour was the cancellation of North American dates because guitarist Trevor Rabin needed surgery after a bizarre swimming pool accident. And then later due to a contract dispute, Yes had to screen two Bugs Bunny cartoons in place of an opening band at some of the shows. (laughs) I have no problem with watching Bugs Bunny instead of many opening bands. I'm just saying. Even more memorable was the group's visit to Argentina soon after the Falklands War, when anti-British sentiment remained high. Escorted by Argentine jet fighters, a military motorcade, and several hundred armed guards, they went on stage with Anderson being told he'd probably be the first target of any assassins. (laughs) Whoa! Falkland Islands. Do you remember that? Wow, that's a blast from the past. Quote, this is from John, I was in the south of France and I'd let go of Yes because of a very bad experience with producers and managers trying to make an album in Paris that never worked. Uh, Much of this you can talk about, this is from an interview with Rick Beato. If you don't follow Rick Beato on YouTube, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Great long form interviews with Oh, well, John Anderson is the reason why I recently watched an interview with Andy Summers, Ingve uh, Malmsteen, Steve, you name it. Rick Bieto has probably interviewed him and you can, and I'm talking like an hour long, two hour interviews in depth. And this is where I'm getting this from, from uh, John Anderson, but the whole story of there's debate with, with uh, yes, folks. Now, for me, I was like a sophomore in high school when 90125 came out. So, um I don't want to say that's the first I'd ever heard Yes. I'd heard some Yes on classic rock radio. I'd heard Roundabout. You know, I'd heard a few songs. But 90125 was the gateway for a lot of us because that was such a great album. It came out in, uh, you know, when I was in high school. And then what happened is we all went backwards then and started to buy Fragile and Close to the Edge and and the Yes album and we start learning the 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 earlier stuff and and that's exactly what what I did. I just kind of went on about this on a recent podcast, but I'll go on about it again. Why not? So some of the old school Yes fans, they don't like the the Trevor Rabin era, but Trevor Rabin saved Yes. Yes would have been done had it not been for Trevor Rabin. So anyways, I'm a big fan of it. And and the, and the way that uh, John Anderson got brought in is Chris Squire and Trevor Rabin had been working on this material and John Anderson heard it and he really liked it. He said, that sounds really good. And then they asked him, hey, you want to sing some stuff on it? And he said, sure. And then once he was on it, they just said, let's call it a Yes album. And then the rest is history. And they had a number of very successful albums after that. Steve Howe, of course, during this time was in Asia, so he wasn't in the picture. Trevor Rabin is like polar opposite of of Steve Howe. They're both phenomenal, but completely different styles. Trevor Rabin, really a phenomenal producer and songwriter and a great singer. But anyways, um, well, let me read this quote here. A few years later, when bassist Chris Squire invited him to listen to demos tracked by the remnants of Yes, I think this would have been uh, Chris Squire and I think maybe Alan White. I don't remember who all was involved. They were calling themselves Cinema at the time. Anderson loved what he heard. And then, quote, I said, it's missing a few things. And Chris said, I thought you'd say that. Would you be interested in singing on the tracks? And I said, well, yeah, I would, because I think the production is amazing. The production has a unique energy. And he said, well, come on in tomorrow and join the band and we'll call ourselves Yes. And I said, ah, because if I join, then it'll be yes. Of course it will. So he came in, sang on Owner of a Lonely Heart and a bunch of other stuff, and they go on tour. He says, quote, it was amazing. Thank God I saw Spinal Tap before we started touring because I would have been so serious about it otherwise. But after that movie, I just said, forget it. So I just had fun. Great. Peter Frampton. I'm a fan of Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton actually follows us on X. Super excited when you see someone like a Peter Frampton that follows you. So I'm happy to have Peter Frampton following us. Peter Frampton has enjoyed a legendary career though. There were certainly mistakes along the way. And one of the mistakes he cites this is from the Bob sets podcast. Um, one of the regrets he has is the follow-up to the massive Peter Frampton Comes Alive album. Uh, remember that album? In 77, I'm In You came out. And uh, <laughs> he calls it. That was the little Lord Fauntleroy outfit, I call that one. He does not like you. If you remember that album cover, he's, you know, He's dressed as sexy boy, right? He's got a shirt on what was actually a woman's top. He's wearing a shirt, you know, bare chested. And and they went for the pretty boy. I mean, he's a good looking guy. I mean, it makes sense, right? They were trying to appeal to the female set, right? Quote, I should have been in jeans and a T-shirt on the cover with a leather jacket or something. He said, it was a terrible mistake, but I was still in the Lord Fauntleroy outfit with the satin pants, the white nurse's gloves, and some god-awful woman's top. Yeah, if he could do it over again, he 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 probably would have. Uh, the I'm in You cover was supposed to appeal to pop and female fans, but instead was ridiculed for its overt cheesiness. As the guitar- guitarist explained, the photo wasn't just embarrassing, it was also out of touch with the Times. The outfit would have looked fine the year before, Frampton noted, but now the sex pistols are happening. Things have changed drastically overnight and I'm behind the times already and out of sync. And, you know, he, he talks about how he was rushed on that album. He would have liked to wait a a little longer. Um. But but he you know the the record companies they want to strike while the iron is hot right we got this one of the biggest albums ever at the time it was the biggest album ever and they want to strike while the iron's hot so they they got him into the the studio quick by his own admission Frampton didn't have quote what I would call great songs noting that the material wasn't up to par I'm kind of writing in the st- In the studio, I'm drinking. It's drugs. It's all these distractions, and it was demoralized. He further recalled, and that album, it started out pretty good, but it didn't do very well. wasn't It was disappointing after, and that's the you know that's the challenge. You have a huge album, and then it's it doesn't work right. Uh, So. Anyways, that's, it is what it is. He regrets that album cover. I don't know how much the album cover impacted the performance of the album. It it might've, maybe not, but he would have liked more time to, to craft a better album. In a new interview with Germany's EMP, Iron Maiden singer Bruce Dickinson was asked if there are certain places, people, situations, hobbies that influence his creativity and inspiration. He says, quote, I think if you're creative, Then you just have to be aware of when creativity may strike and be prepared to abandon all those ordinary things that everybody else thinks are important for that special moment, which has just fallen and hit you on top of the head, which can be very frustrating for the rest of humanity when they want you to go to dinner. But you actually want to write the last page of something because you just happen to be in the mood. Things like that happen at odd and unusual times. It happens to me when I'm driving around, which is very inconvenient because you want to pull over and write something immediately. And often you can't or sitting on trains, strangely enough. But then somebody starts making a noise and distracting you. And you just get very, and it just got very inconvenient. So I like to be kind of lonely in a crowded room sometimes when I create. Sometimes I go off and just take a wander around the graveyard. I find that cheers me up. Bruce in the graveyard, his uh, Mandrake project will arrive on March 1st. That's coming up. All right. We've got uh, an email. (sighs) They're taking me to task. Let's read it. Jeremy, let me get this straight. Did you really just say that Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman are better than all Sabbath records? But then in the next breath, you said that Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules are better than any Aussie album after Diary of a Madman. That seemed pretty bold, just trying to wrap my head around that. What about the great Aussie albums after Zack? Do you really think those first two Aussie albums are better than Paranoid or Masters of Reality? Let me read that last part again. What about the great Aussie albums with Zach? I guess he's saying, I think the Blizzard albums are better than those. Yes, I do think. And I think all of the Sabbath albums are better than anything, or or, 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 Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules are better than anything that Zach did. Yes, I do. Uh, and then he says, do you really think those first two Aussie albums are better than paranoid or masters of reality? Yes, I do. So I, yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Sorry. He says, I enjoy the podcast, even if you're wrong, just kidding. (laughs) So yeah, I think blizzard of Oz and diary are better than any Sabbath album. But I think heaven and hell. And mob rules with Dio on them are better than any album after Diary of a. M- any Aussie album after Diary of a Madman. It's not that complicated. And there are other Aussie album or other Black Sabbath albums that I think are better than anything after Diary. I I just don't think Aussie's catalog after Diary is that great. I mean, sorry. It's there's okay. There's good. And Zach's awesome. Jakey Lee's awesome. I just think that those. Those first two Aussie albums are are better than any of them. They're at the top. And then I think that the the Dio Sabbath albums, not, de, not Dehumanizer, but Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell are better than anything Ozzy did after Diary of a Man. I don't think it's that controversial, but yeah, I believe that. I stand by that. Thank you for your email. Even though you didn't sign your name. But thank you for your email and thank you for listening. And thank you all for listening. You can always email me at com. If you missed the daily updates yesterday that you usually watch on X or YouTube, I did record those and post those as podcasts. So you can check those out. They are being posted as podcasts now. And we'll do it all again tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, live long and prosper. Take care. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Thanks for listening. You can email Jeremy at classicguitarrockmail.com. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Tune in each weekday for the Classic Guitar Rock Daily Update.